Welcome to Stepping Off Now, a podcast about how to live your creative best life. If you're feeling creatively stuck, burned out, or like you're not fulfilling your true creative potential, this podcast is for you. I'm Kendra, a social scientist and writer. I spent decades feeling creatively unfulfilled while I pursued conventional life goals, culminating in severe burnout that took years to recover from. This podcast chronicles my journey in real time as I find my way home to my essential creative self and seek to live my own creative best life. I discuss topics like harnessing the intuitive creative process, using creativity to manage mental health, and sorting through all the external pressures and expectations to figure out what you really want. My hope is that you'll find inspiration and solace here. You are not alone and you are stronger and wiser than you know. You can find out more by visiting my website, KendraPatterson.com. Now, on to the show. Hi, everybody. How are you doing this lovely Friday or whatever day of the week you are listening to this on? We have had, uh, (laughs) I guess I would call it an eventful week here in the United States in general, in Florida. We had another hurricane come across the state this time from the opposite direction. We are an equal opportunity state when it comes to the directions of our hurricanes. If they don't hit us from the west, they'll hit us from the east or the south. Don't know if they've ever come down from the north, probably. Fortunately, this one wasn't as bad as the last one, but we did have a lot of rain and downed tree branches and The internet has been a little bit spotty, so hopefully I will be able to upload this episode after I've finished with it. The weather has been gray for days. It feels like days and days on end now, which is really unusual for Florida. We are known as the Sunshine State, and I'm not liking it too much, y'all. I don't know. I know that probably a lot of you live in places where it's grayer more often, and I suppose to some extent you get used to it. But I found that after a decade plus of living in Florida, I really appreciate the climate here and the copious sunshine and the fact that when we do get rain, it tends to fall hard and fast and then be over with. None of this drizzling for days on end that we're seeing right now. My uh, puppy was just growling at his reflection in the window. Don't know if the microphone (laughs) picked that up. Anyway, this can be a tough time of year, I think. Regardless of where you live, it's swinging into the holidays and things get busy and stressful. And so let's just remind ourselves to try to be extra gentle with ourselves and remember to breathe. Give yourself plenty of moments where you just step to the side and just appreciate being where you are. I want to give you a quick update, speaking of appreciating where we are, on my novel. Just a brief one. As you know, I am working on a revision in which I separated out the two points of view and I'm working on them separately. And I finished with the first one, Mara, and I'm now in Esme. And I've really been struggling to get into Esme. I guess this is an artifact of revising this way. For months at a time, I was just dealing with Mara and it's like a relationship you have with your characters, right? And so when when it ends, it's there's kind of a almost a feeling of breakup that you have to go through. And it almost felt like I was cheating on her with Esme. (laughs) As wild as that sounds, I think one of the things about being 
an HSP, highly sensitive person, is that transitions can be very difficult for us because we get very emotionally involved, deeply so. And so it's that transition point, the change that can be such a challenge going from one thing to the next. And I'm experiencing that in a number of ways in my life right now, weirdly enough. But yeah, so that's what's kind of going on with the novel. It's been a few weeks and I'm starting to get a little bit more into Esme. But my hopes of having a NaNoWriMo event where I finished all 40,000 words of Esme's story or finished revising them rather by the end of November, probably not going to happen, which is fine because I had had the end of this year as the, the point where I wanted to be finished with this round of revisions. And I'm just letting it be what it's going to be, just allowing the process to unfold the way that it wants to, and just paying attention, as always, as I always do, to what it feels like inside of myself. And that brings me to today's topic, a question I have been pondering that I've mentioned here and there on this podcast, the difference between making something that you you consider to be art and making something that is for entertainment, for consumption purposes by others that will entertain them. In part, I'm contemplating this question because I'm now in a phase of revisions where I am starting to think more about how my novel will be read instead of the first part of the writing, uh, which is known as the shitty first draft, even though it was more than (laughs) just one draft for me, uh, that part of the writing took some years. And in a way, it was me finding me back my way back to being a writer and learning how to view myself as an artist. That was a lot more about just self expression for the pure sake of that. And now I'm beginning to see my novel more as a consumptive product, which is something that comes with its own challenges. Because once you start objectifying your your art, and thinking about how other people will view it and experience it, essentially how they will judge it, that can really impede the creative process. And it certainly changes the creative process. That's what I wanted to talk about today, how it changes the creative process and whether or not this dichotomy between art for the sake of art and entertainment as a consumptive product is a false dichotomy. Is there really that much of a difference Is it just in perspective, which creates its own type of reality? So I'm not saying that 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 creates a false sense of distinction between these two. But was I making too big of a deal (laughs) out of art as a, a way of being in the world and experiencing things that is very much centered in the subjective personal experience and self expression, pure self expression, and making something that I want to put out into the world for other people. Many people would maintain that the line between these two ways of creating or being an artist or an entertainer, it's there, it's murky at best. And I also think that it's one of those questions that maybe it really doesn't matter (laughs) what the answer is, because it's all opinion anyway, and you just have to decide for yourself where you fall. And perhaps the real difference really does come down to how you yourself experience the act of creation and what the purpose is for you. I am very much in the camp of creativity is healing, and it is a way of making life feel worthwhile. I was discussing this with a friend of mine, and he was like, why do you write? And I said, well, 
I write because I'm compelled to. It's the thing that makes my life feel like it's worth living. My life doesn't feel like it's worth living if it's not the creative life. That's something I discovered over some decades of trying to live the conventional life and eventually coming to a point where I knew I couldn't continue on like that because my life felt kind of worthless. And and my life feels very worthwhile now because I've dedicated myself to my quote unquote art. (laughs) So from that perspective, it really can't matter what other people think, right? Because ultimately, in order to live with myself and feel good in myself, I have to create art in a way that pleases me. Someone of a very different type of perspective from mine is John Scalzi. Don't know if you are aware of him. He writes sci-fi, which is not a genre that I really read much in. And I've read a couple of his works, but I followed his blog for a really long time. (laughs) It was one of my favorite blogs for a long time. And he makes no bones about it that he is writing novels to entertain people. He's certainly a creative, quite clearly, Uh, but he is writing for the consumer marketplace. And on this question of the difference between art and entertainment, he comes down on the side of he's doing entertainment and whether or not that's considered art doesn't really matter one way or another. And I totally agree with him. Interestingly enough, we probably have a similar feeling about the role of the creative act in our respective lives. He writes because he always wanted to be a writer. It's just what he did. He was a writer from a young age. It's what I'm assuming brings him joy in his life. And that's exactly the same reason that I'm a writer. (laughs) But we also have entirely different perspectives of the role of our art in the outside world. This is why I think this is a question that doesn't really have an answer. And that to some extent, the answer doesn't really matter. Where it does matter is, again, when it comes to that subjective experience you have of creating your art. And like I said in the beginning, I do feel differently now about the way that I'm writing and my process. So I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit about that. When I started writing my novel, as I've mentioned, it was purely for my own personal recovery and finding my way back to my creative center. I didn't consciously necessarily view it that way. I just knew that I had to give myself a chance to do this. You know, I'm I'm 40 years old. And if I'm not going to dedicate myself to my art now, when, right? Like I had tried really hard to, to live that conventionally successful life. And I'd given it my all and it clearly wasn't working. And it was time for me to finally do what I kind of always wanted to do, which is just be a writer. And My major goal at that time was to find a way to really love the process. Because as much as I had always been compelled to write from a very young age, I never really loved writing. And you hear that a lot from writers, that they love the act of having written, but not actually writing. While I was doing my PhD, I was often uh, at this bar called Lillian's here in town, an old institution, Lillian's Music Store. It was an actual music store at one time. And the bartender there, a guy named Tom, who's also a writer, so we'd, we'd talk a lot about writing together. He told me that he just loves writing. Like, that's the best part of his day. He loves to sit down. He loves to get immersed in a story. And I remember feeling really jealous of that and thinking, gosh, that must be nice. I'm not the type who really loves 
writing like that, uh, you, you know, I kind of dread sitting down because it's hard and making yourself do that day after day is, is a real task. And maybe that means I'll never be a quote unquote real writer because I don't love it. Well, I, I don't think that you necessarily have to, to love the act of creation or always love it or always feel good about it to be a real whatever it is you are, writer, creative artist. But that's something I wanted for myself. And so that was my goal. And it happened. I now genuinely love my creative practice, and it is the beating heart of my life. So I accomplished that. (laughs) And that was a beautiful time, because when you're in that zone, you just do what you want. And the goal is to get to a place where you're not thinking at all about what other people might think of your writing. You're just fully immersed in the, the act of creation. And I do feel that it's necessary to find a way to do that and that some people struggle more than others in pushing aside those judgy voices in the head, those editorial voices, and just really getting deep into that creative process. But now that I'm writing or revising rather for essentially selling my novel, the major change that I've noticed in my approach to writing is one that is a really welcome change. And that is that I'm just a lot less precious about about my art, about the writing. I've come to understand that my primary role as someone who's an author, not just someone who's a writer or a creative and artist, is to communicate something. That that's my responsibility to communicate something important and meaningful to my readers. And in order to do that, I need to write with clarity. Doesn't mean it can't be artful, but the truth needs to be there on the page. And I've always known that. I've always known that that's the role of an artist is to create a fiction that tells a truth, but it's gained more meaning. I feel like I understand more how I can do that and what my responsibility is as a writer. And when I sent in my first couple chapters to that editor, this is something that he told me that I think is probably the most useful thing he said. He's like, just tell the reader (laughs) what you want them to know. You know, don't be all like sneaky or secret about it or, or try to be too artful so that it's implied, but, you know, with pretty words, just tell them. If there's something they need to know about the character, just tell them. This was kind of a revelation to me. And, and I think that that is a good rule of thumb for any type of work of art that you want to put out into the world, either for a con- like consumption by others or that you really want it to resonate, is that you just need to be honest and authentic. And your voice will emerge from that as you seek to respect your audience through being straightforward and honest like that. And again, this doesn't mean that you can't make an artful product, but that's almost beside the point, like how artful it is. The point is to create that truth that speaks directly to the audience. Seeing it in this way has really helped me grapple with entering the stage of my writing where it's no longer just about my own healing or about my enjoyment of the process. Those things are still going on. Those are the center of my practice. But I'm strong enough in my practice now that I can begin to think more about audience. And I've realized that it's not a constraining force. I think this is something that artists worry about, that if 
if they think too much about audience and how their work will be received, it's like they're pandering, right? And then their art is no longer pure. But it can be another channel of development and self-expression if you choose to see it that way. I've spoken about this before on the podcast, how you can see it as a constraining force, or you can see it as another way of growing in your art. And probably (laughs) you want to do the latter one, right? Because that's just going to make everything so much more pleasant. And ultimately, your readers will be able to tell or, or the consumers of your art will be able to tell that that's the, the route you chose because your work will be truthful and, and that will be something that is sensed through the words on the page. I do think that such a thing exists as entertainment that is made purely with audience in mind. And a lot of times it just doesn't work, right? Because it really is difficult to anticipate what audiences are going to respond to and something that has all the earmarks of a successful product can totally tank. And this is the wonderful thing I think about art is that, or creative products is that sometimes the least expected thing will just hit. And usually it's because it resonates somehow with the truth of the human experience in a way that speaks to people. I don't know if you've been following the uh, Random House trial that's been going on. Uh, I guess it's like an anti-monopoly, anti-monopoly, monopolizing, what what do you call that? Um, Anyway, something interesting that has come out of this, this trial, and Random House is a big, big five publisher, or is it big four, uh, is that it truly is a guessing game. And that publishers, editors, agents really have no idea what they're doing when it comes to predicting the market. It's always a huge gamble. And a lot of the books that they publish don't end up selling all that much at all. And then what they hope is that they, they'll have a few that are huge hits that make up for all of the, those losses. Uh, but time and again, you'll hear stories about publishers who pass on novels that then get picked up by someone else and, oh, antitrust trial. <laughs> okay, sorry, that just, just popped into my head and I'm like, oh, I better say that uh, before I forget. Um, yeah, so they'll pass over a, a novel that then becomes a huge bestseller, but it was rejected like 20 times or something like that. And this is one of the reasons that I do think it's so important to ultimately create what you want to create and not think about how it will be received. This happens a lot with this podcast. I'll release an episode where I'm just like, it's meh. And someone will write that it particularly resonated with them. So you just never really know. There is an interesting phenomenon, though, that occurs, I think, when someone is really big, like to bring up John Scalzi again, pretty much anything he writes is going to be popular because of the status of his personality and record of success, kind of like a James Patterson or John Grisham. But most of us aren't really operating from that position and trying explicitly to write something that is to please the audience more often than not will backfire. Because again, the audience knows when they're hearing the truth, right? They what what really impacts us when we're viewing art, consuming art, is that feeling of knowing that it came from the depths of an individual human experience, and that it makes legible something about the universal in the 
individual experience because we're all here essentially experiencing life alone as individuals. And yet there is something common in our humanity that binds us all together. And that's the role of art is to give us a sense of being both our essential selves and part of a common experience with others. Either because we enjoy the art together, we watch a movie together, or because something in the art we're consuming speaks to the general human experience. So ultimately, I think that there really isn't a need to try to clarify the difference between art and entertainment, and to do so is, in a way, creating false categories of work that aren't relevant to the way that people actually consume and enjoy art, that it doesn't matter at the level of consumption, whether something is quote unquote art, or whether it's just pure entertainment. And a lot of times what was at one time considered a form of pure entertainment becomes art over time. Uh, Certain types of theater, for example, uh, like Kabuki in Japan was really a sort of kind of theater for the masses originally, but now, of course, is considered akin to an art form. Same with Shakespeare's plays, because that type of theater has fallen out of fashion, and now it's appreciated and kept alive through elevating it, if you want to use that term, to the level of art. So I think the interesting thing is that in contemplating this kind of question, particularly in reference to my my own work on my novel, I've become less and less interested over time in what is art, what is entertainment, and trying to apply those definitions to my own process. I still do see the creative project largely as an artful one, but I think that the art is in the making of it, not in the product that emerges. And that whether or not we are creating purely for ourselves because we feel a need to express ourselves in a certain way, or if we're explicitly making something for an audience, ultimately what is the same and what kind of obliterates any real differences between those two things is that you have to sit down and do the work. You have to do it regularly. You have to respect your process. You have to respect yourself. And through doing that, you will be respecting your audience even if your audience is just yourself, (laughs) that there is something sacred about the act of creation and that that is the art. I have one final thought, or perhaps this is more of a question. Part of the reason I'm contemplating this right now is that I read Jody Benson's new memoir called Part of Your World, and I did actually a Patreon extra content bonus episode on on that book. She was the voice of Ariel in the movie The Little Mermaid. One of my favorite performances, <laughs> vocal performances that is, that were uh, that song Part of Your World. And she is very, very clear in her memoir that she sings to the specifications of her director. She is not interested in putting her own interpretation onto things. She does what she is told to do and that's her job as as a Broadway singer. I found this kind of fascinating because I've always thought of Broadway actors as artists. And this was an angle I hadn't considered before that 
some of them may consider themselves interpreters of other people's art. This is an entirely different kind of relationship with art that I thought I would just bring up because I'm still grappling with the implications of this particular type of role, this this mediator between artist and audience. And I haven't come to any conclusions yet, but I thought that I would throw that out there uh, for anyone of you who may be involved in acting or this type of creative act, where you're, you're an interpreter rather than an actual creator, and where creativity and art and putting yourself into it, where that comes into it, what role those things play for you. So if you have any thoughts on that, shoot me an email through my website, kendrapatterson.com, under the contact tab, uh, because I would be very interested in your thoughts, and I can include them in a future episode as part of a discussion, ongoing discussion. I want to thank you all for being here today. Uh, Before I go, I want to give a shout out to my newest patron, Roger. Thank you so much for supporting the show. If you are interested in supporting my work, you can check out the links in my show notes. The biggest thing you can do to support me is to spread the word about my podcast and hook people up with it if you think it's something that they would like or something they would need to hear. And thanks to all of you who do write in to me to tell me your thoughts about episodes, what particularly resonates. That really is, uh, well, I always just feel so touched and grateful when you do that. And (laughs) hopefully I can keep on bringing you my take on these, these subjects and the truth week after week going forward as I come up on my 100th episode in a few weeks time. Haven't decided if I'm going to do anything special for that or just have it be a regular episode. I'm not really much of a celebrator, uh, so probably (laughs) it's just going to be another regular episode. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and a wonderful week. I will see you next Friday. 